0: From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Colonel Patricia Goodyear spent two months caring for patients with COVID 19 at Queens Central Hospital as part of the U.S. Army Reserves. She's a nurse practitioner at Upstate University Hospital, and now that she's returned to Syracuse, I'm talking with her about her experiences. Welcome to HealthLink on Air, Patricia. Good morning, Amber. So, how did you become part of the Army Reserves?
1: Um, I joined the Army Reserves back when I was 23, in 1988. Um, Most of my, my family members had been in the military at some point, so it was always something I wanted to do.
0: So, can you tell us about the tours of duty you've done before this most recent activation?
1: I was activated back in 2002 for um, uh, Enduring Freedom, um, Iraqi Freedom Campaign for about a year. Um, that was my only deployment. The other um, opportunities I've had have been mostly doing readiness activities in other communities in the United States. We do. IRTs, which are called, um, which are innovative readiness activities, and they go into a community and provide care for the constituents for free. We usually bring, uh, dentists and pharmacists and opticians and providers, and we've gone to Louisiana, Arkansas. I've also gone to Haiti after the hurricane, um, back in 2008, or no, I'm sorry, two thousand. So, and then this most recent one.
0: So what was your reaction when you found out you would be going to Queen's Central Hospital? How did that all come about?
1: Um, I was um, not really given any information about where I was going. Um, I was simply informed that I was being mobilized um, for the campaign against COVID. We were all brought to Utica to begin with, and then um, parts of our group were divided off into other places to form 85-man task force that they had set up, um, urban task force to deal with this. um,
0: So, how how much notice did they give you? You Two days. Yeah so you had 2 days notice to get ready to be mobilized and be gone. Yes, 2 days. When you heard that it was to to be part of the COVID um response, were you afraid of being exposed to the virus? No,
1: I I really wasn't because working in healthcare in an acute setting, you frequently are exposed to things that um you know are contagious so you use you know your ppe your masks your hand washing your you know alcohol sanitizer you use your methods to deal with that to stay safe and honestly i thought it was an amazing chance to be able to help in a situation where you're watching on the news day after day you know, a city within our state just suffering with this disease and needing health care providers. I also felt like for me, because I have five children, I didn't have to worry about bringing it home every night to my kids. So that was also a relief. So um, yeah, I was, I, I wasn't, won't say I was excited because it is hard to leave home and leave your children, but I was I was glad that I was able to help.
0: So how did you prepare your kids for your absence?
1: Um, My children have always known me to be in the military. Um, They are young, I've had them later in life. So my oldest is 12, my youngest is six. And so being a single mom, military has always been part of our lives they um, they know that I'm in the Army and why I'm in the Army. We talk about it. And as part of being in the military as a single parent, you have to have a care plan in place for your children. So, I had already established that my children would go stay with my friend if I ever needed to leave um, for any reason.
0: You're listening to Upstate's Health Link on air. I'm your host Amber Smith talking with Patricia Goodyear. She's a nurse practitioner at Upstate and a colonel in the U.S. Army Reserves, and we're talking about the two months she spent in Queens helping to care for patients with COVID-19. So talk to me about your job at Queens Central Hospital. Now, did they send you along with other Army colleagues to the same hospital?
1: Yes. um, I was assigned into Task Force 1, as a uh, nurse practitioner. And when we arrived in New York, they, this was just a dynamic fluid operation. So they realized they didn't need our asset at um, the Javits Center. So they, it took at least a couple of days to get the contract set up so that we could actually go into the local hospitals. So they sent, initially just the providers to Queens and then, and the nurses did go over to the Javits. And then once the Javits wound down and the numbers decreased, they brought the nurses over with us as well. So, um, we weren't really given a lot of information other than we were, we arrived, we came in, we met their staff and there was a lot of, um, Information passing back and forth of what our skill sets were, to know where they could best utilize us. Um, fortunately for me, I um, do have a acute care critical care background, so they put me in the MICU, the medical ICU, which um, had some very severe needs at that time in the MICU. Um, due to the fact that uh, quite a few of their staff, provider and nurses um, contracted COVID. Uh, this was primarily because there was such an epidemic and there wasn't a knowledge of that epidemic in the beginning that if the patient didn't come in with symptoms of COVID, they the staff didn't take the precautions because it wasn't known at that time how massive the epidemic was, the pandemic, in Queens. So they exposed themselves without realizing it. And then several attendings were out, nurses were out. So when we arrived, um, one of the fortunate pieces is that they use EPIC as their medical um, system. And we use EPIC. So that made my transition a lot easier because I knew how to use the charting system.
0: So were you uh, providing hands-on care uh, for patients with COVID-19 as a nurse practitioner?
1: Yes. I was assigned um, to the team um, with an attending and a couple residents. And we worked 12 to 14 hours a day, six days a week. Um, And we rounded and, you know, provided you know interventions and care. and um a lot of the interventions like proning require not just nursing staff but provider staff as well. So um, we were involved throughout the whole day with the with our patients
0: what What is proning? Proning um is where the
1: patient is actually placed on their stomach, um, face down because, um, uniquely with the lungs, you, when you're laying on your back, the circulation and the aeration only occurs primarily on your anterior lung. But when you prone, you actually have more surface that gets aerated. Therefore you get better perfusion. So, um, Proning has been used in the medical community for severe um, ARDS, you know, um, traumatic lung disease in the past. And it was one of a number of things we would use to try to help the patients be able to oxygenate better. Um, So, what you would do is you'd have to use several staff and turn them onto their abdomen, make sure that their limbs are um, correctly aligned and that they have the, most of them were intubated, so you wanted to make sure you protected their airway so they didn't extubate as you're trying to turn them. I mean, it sounds easy to, like to put yourself on your stomach, but if you've ever encountered a patient in the ICU with feeding tubes and central lines and art lines and intubation tube. It's a challenge to keep what all the wires connect, you know, in place where you want them by doing, when you flip them on their stomach.
0: Did you have patients that you saw um, recover from COVID-19 and go home?
1: I wish I could say that I did. Um, no, not in my two months there. Um, I had uh, a few patients that I thought were going to do okay. Um, In particular, there was a patient that we had extubated who was very young, um, in his 30s. And after he was extubated, he seemed to be doing well, got transferred out of the ICU. Um, And when I went back into the records in Epic to look for a particular patient, a, a different patient. His name actually showed up on the group of names of past charts I was in. And it said, discharge to morgue. And it just, it, it, I couldn't believe it because I, you know, you didn't hear about patients after they left your unit because there was such a large volume. Um, and when I looked at the record, um, basically, we knew he had a a clot in his lung, and we were treating it. But the medication we used to treat it, the blood thinner, caused bleeding in his abdomen, so they had stopped the blood thinner. And then he had another very large clot to his lungs, and and um, expired. Well, so that, that was is... quite a shock to me.
0: And you said this gentleman was in his thirties. Correct. So I, I I think people have an idea that this is a disease of the elderly, and and that isn't wasn't your experience, right? No, actually,
1: um, it wasn't. It, most of the patients I treated were young. Wow. And um, I it was it was very hard for me because a lot of um, I've worked in trauma before. This And we don't normally lose patients. You don't have a large volume of deaths in the medical, in in general, in my practice in the past. So to have so many patients expire, it, it was, it's like caregiver fatigue almost, like, you know, and then you're listening to the community out there at large believing that this doesn't even exist. And yet you're watching day after day as people die from it, young people, um, people in their thirties and forties, not, yes, there were elderly people that came in, but a lot of times they were already uh, do not resuscitate because they came from like a nursing home. So we made them comfortable and they were expectant and that was a little easier to understand.
0: Well, as someone who has literally been on the front lines of this pandemic, what do you think society is doing right in its response and and what do we need to be doing that we're not doing?
1: I think good hand washing, um, hand sanitizer, wearing a mask and social distancing does a lot more than people give it credit for i mean we had 85 in my um task force and then there were other ta- another task force n- nearby and none of us zero converted and caught covid and we were involved in it daily for over two months and the consistent thing that was universal amongst all of us was social distancing wearing a mask, using good hand-washing and hand sanitizer. I mean, um, and I think, that it's, I think that it's sad that there's people out there that don't believe that that is effective or they feel that um, it somehow takes away from them to protect themselves and other people by doing that. Yeah.
0: Well, I am appreciative of you sharing your experience. Thank you so much to nurse practitioner and Army Reserves Colonel Patricia Goodyear. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.